this is an update dealing with uh, Emmett Till. So, you know, last week, last on last Sunday's show, and we posted articles on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, dealing with this. Uh, we talked about the arrest warrant from August 29th, 1955, issued for Carolyn Bryant, that was found uh, recently. And it was found by volunteers and um, it was found by uh, members of Emmett Till's family. Okay. Now they want the arrest warrant to uh, be served. All right. They want the arrest warrant to be served. Um, I want to go to this. Uh, we're going to go to here to clip number one here in just a second, Jalen. So there was a uh, manuscript, a 99 page manuscript, unpublished manuscript that surfaced uh, this week, an Associated Press was uh, able to read the manuscript. Uh, this manuscript in it, Carolyn Bryant uh, says that she did not want harm to come to uh, Emmett Till. Okay. Now, there's a couple articles on this. Uh, Black Enterprise has one. Uh, also, Associated Press has one as well. I want to put, but if we look at this article here from um, this is from WAPT.com that they picked up from the Associated Press. We're going to clip one in just a second here, Jalen. Uh, Carolyn Bryant says she tried to help Emmett Till memoir says. Carolyn Bryant says she tried to help Emmett Till memoir says. Family member of Emmett Till calls for justice. Now, uh, the woman at the center of the 1955 lynching of Emmett Till uh, in Money, Mississippi, denies wanting him killed. The claim comes in a memoir uh, by Carolyn Bryant Dunham that was obtained by the Associated Press, that was obtained by the Associated Press. Okay, in the 99-page uh, manuscript, Carolyn Bryant Dunham says she attempted to help Emmett Till once he had been located by her husband, Roy Bryant, and his brother-in-law, J.W. Millam, and, brought, and they brought Emmett Till to her for identification. Okay. Now, she said in the memoir, unpublished memoir, she says she denied that Emmett Till was the youth uh, and she did not want any harm to come to him. Now, the Associated Press, uh, the Associated Press obtained the memoir from a historian. Now, an unserved arrest warrant charging Carolyn Bryant Dunham in Emmett Till's abduction was recently found in, in a Mississippi courthouse basement. The family of Emmett Till continues to call for justice after Emmett Till's uh, kidnapping and torture and lynching August 28, 1955. All right. Uh, I want to go to this clip here from WAPT. Uh, 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 this is WAPT Channel 16 out of Jackson, Mississippi. Let's go to this clip, please, Jalen. A 99-page memoir recently obtained by the Associated Press written by Carolyn Bryant Donham, the memoir titled, I Am More Than a Wolf Whistle, claiming that in Money, Mississippi, back in 1955, when her husband and brother-in-law brought Till before her, she was trying to protect him by telling them he was not Till. The two men went after Till for allegedly whistling at Donham. In that uh, manuscript, I think further just proved uh, that she was involved. Um, whether she denied that she identified Emmett or not, uh, she had some involvement. Uh, Carolyn Bryant is not a victim. 
Carolyn Bryant was not afraid. Uh, Emmett was afraid. Deborah Watts is the cousin of Emmett Till, also serving as the co-founder and executive director of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. She says the family remains consistent in seeking justice. He's culpable, and he's an accessory to what happened to Emmett. And it's unfortunate that no one has held her accountable for her role, and we want that to happen. And just last month, an unserved warrant for Donham was found in the LaFleur County Courthouse in Greenwood, Mississippi, charging her with Till's kidnapping. Watts tells me the hope is to still hear from her beyond the pages of the memoir. We deserve to actually hear her voice and not just read uh, a book. She has a story to tell. She has some admissions that she needs to be to say that in front of a judge. Uh, she needs to have that warrant served for her arrest and, and go through the appropriate process that anyone that has not been held accountable for their act in the kidnapping and lynching of Emmett Till. And in the meantime, the family says that they're anxiously waiting to hear from both LaFleur County Sheriff Ricky Banks and the DA of the Fourth Circuit Court District, Dwayne Richardson, on issuing that arrest warrant. Live in studio. Okay, so that was from uh, that was from WAPT uh, News uh, Channel 16 out of uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, now I, I want to go to this article here from the Associated Press from uh, July 14, 2022. Okay, and uh, we're coming up here on the break, so we'll get to this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. Share this broadcast and social media platforms. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like. You can also give us a call. 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. It's a call in number if you have a question or comment. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Michael M. Hotel. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and histories and much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, that's just our consequence. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on the Antonium Superstation. Okay, it's Sunday, July 17th, uh, 2022. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. Here's the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so right before the break, we're giving an update uh, in the uh, Emmett Till case and some of the latest developments and a 99-page a manuscript, unpublished manuscript, written by Carolyn Bryant, um, surfaced this past week. And it was obtained by the Associated Press from a historian. Now, the Associated Press has this article here. A Black Enterprise had an article on July 15th that they picked up from the Associated Press from July 14th. Here's the article from the Associated Press. Emmett Till Accuser in memoir denies wanting teen killed emmett till accuser in memoir denies wanting uh teen killed all right so uh in this piece here uh it says the white woman who accused black teenager emmett till of improper making improper advances before he was lynched 
in Mississippi in 1955, says she neither identified him to the killers nor wanted him murdered. Says she neither identified him to the killers nor wanted him murdered. Okay, so keep in mind this is in a um, this was in a uh, unpublished uh, 99 page memoir. Okay, an unpublished 99 page memoir. Now, uh, if we continue here, in uh, in an unpublished memoir obtained by the Associated Press, Carolyn Bryan Dunham says she was unaware of what would happen uh, to uh, Emmett Till. She was unaware of what would happen to Emmett Till, um, who lived in Chicago and was visiting relatives uh, in Mississippi when he was abducted, killed, and tossed in the Tallahatchie uh, River. Now, she's now 87 years old, Carolyn Bryan Dunham, and she was, on, she was uh, 21 years old at the time. Her then-husband, uh, Roy Bryant and his half brother uh, J.W. Millen were acquitted of murder charges. Were acquitted of murder charges. Uh, it was a segregated courtroom. It was an all-white jury. They later confessed in a magazine interview uh, by Look Magazine. They later confessed in a magazine interview uh, by Look in, in Look Magazine. Okay, and they were paid four thousand uh, dollars for for the interview also. All right, now uh, let me try to close this stuff out. They paid four thousand dollars for the interview as well. If you watch Eyes on the Prize, the first installment, they deal with the killing of Emmett Till. Uh, now, Carolyn Bryant Dunham, eighty-seven. Okay, sorry. Uh, the contents of the ninety-nine page manuscript titled "I Am More Than a Wolf Whistle." I am more than a wolf whistle were first reported by the Mississippi Center for Investigative Reporting. Now, historian Timothy Tyson, uh, who we talked about last uh, on last week's show and who could not provide evidence to the, the Department of Justice when they investigated the FBI, that Carolyn Bryant recanted her testimony. Read the 16-page report that we went through last week, okay? The 16-page the Department of Justice report. Now, historian and author Timothy Tyson of Durham, uh, North Carolina, who said he obtained a copy from Carolyn Bryan Dunham while interviewing her in 2008, provided a copy to the Associated Press on, th on Thursday. If you obtain, obtain a copy, see, this is the whole thing with Professor Timothy Tyson. First, he said he did, he did two interviews with her in 2008 he did audio recordings of the interview, and he said in one of those interviews, she recanted her testimony. But he waited until 2017, about a month before his book came out, The Blood of Emmett Till, before he said something about it. Because of that information, that's what caused the Department of Justice to open up a new investigation that they closed in December of 2021. They kept running in the dead ends. They can't find evidence to uh, uh, use in court to prosecute Carolyn Bryant Dunham beyond a reasonable doubt and get a conviction. We broke all this stuff down last week. Now he says he, th this past week, now see this some BS right here, okay? Now this past week he comes out with a, a 99 page unpublished manuscript that he said he got in 2008 
and you're just now saying something about uh-huh okay all right yeah that's what you want to do okay historian and author timothy tyson who said he obtained a copy from carolyn Bryan dunham while interviewing her in 2008 provided a copy to the associated press on thursday what the hell did you wait for why did you wait so long to say something about this Tyson had placed the manuscript in an archive at the University of North Carolina with the agreement that it not be made public for decades. Though he said he gave it to the FBI during an investigation, the agency concluded last year. He said he decided to make it public now following the recent discovery of an arrest warrant on kidnapping charges that was issued for Carolyn Bryant Dunham in 1955, but never served. Maybe if you had said something back in 2008, when I think maybe there was still some witnesses alive in 2008, he brought to justice. Quote, the potential for an investigation was more important than the archival agreements, though those are important things, Professor Timothy Tyson said. When, when, so when you come to this like moral uh, uh real is this epiphany when did you come to this epiphany did, did it have anything to do with like the resurfacing of the fact that uh i don't know the case was closed and you can provide evidence that you claim that you had that she recanted her testimony did it have anything to do with the show i did last sunday i'm, I'm just wondering i don't know well, I went through the 16-page Department of Justice report again. And, and the Department of Justice, the FBI said, you gave us one recording, and this recording did not uh, 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 contain a recantation of her testimony. And then the Department of Justice in there, in their report, they said that he kept giving different explanations about what happened to the second recording and he kept giving different explanations about whether she ever recanted her testimony in the first place. Now, all of a sudden, you come out, you produce a 99-page unpublished manuscript that she gave you back in 2008. This is some fragonacle bull right here. Tyson's, so the, the, he said the potential for an investigation was more important than the archival agreements, though those are important things. He said, but this is probably the last chance for an indictment in this case. You, you, you think maybe you should have said something before all the witnesses had? I'm just, I'm just, I don't have a law degree. I studied law. I, I mean, I'm just thinking. You, you think maybe you should have said something before all the witnesses died? A cousin of Emmett Till who leads the, this is Deborah Watts, a cousin of Emmett Till who leads the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation said the memoir is new evidence that shows Carolyn Bryan Dunham's involvement in the case and is particularly important when combined with the arrest warrant. She said, I truly believe these developments cannot be ignored by the authorities in Mississippi. They're going to ignore it. Attorney General is. We have to see what LaFleur County, the local district attorney, is going to do. The, 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 the Mississippi State Attorney General, I mean, people, this is Mississippi. 
Mississippi had the, the largest number of lynchings in this country from 1882 to 1968. They had 581 lynchings. This is Mississippi. Mississippi, this is where Goodman, Schwartz, and Cheney were lynched June 21st, 1964. This is, this is where uh, Fannie Lou Hamer was from and was beaten in jail, pulled off, of, pulled off of a bus and beaten so badly she was in a hospital for 30 days. This is Mississippi. Mississippi this, is, this is the state that had the Mississippi State Convention in 1890 where they rewrote the state constitution to impose poll taxes and literacy tests. So I expect the, uh, the good old boy, uh, uh, the uh, uh, state's attorney general not to do anything. That's to be expected. I don't, I don't expect the local uh, uh, district attorney to do anything either. Why? This is Mississippi. First of all, you need like real, we're your witnesses. This is, this is what we talked about last class, uh, last night class, last week. You, you go to court, we're your witnesses. This is one of the problems. This is why maybe if Professor Timothy Tyson had produced this 99-page unpublished memoir, maybe back in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, maybe before, maybe there were still some witnesses alive. So you could corroborate evidence and maybe bring about charges. In the memoir, Carolyn Bryan Dunham says she attempted to help Emmett Till once he had been located by her husband and brother-in-law and brought to her in the middle of the night for identification. She said, quote, I did not wish Emmett any harm and could not stop and could not stop harm from me to him since I didn't know what was planned for him, since I didn't know what was planned for him. Okay, now, here's the thing. Now, because all the witnesses are dead, even if they bring charges against her, what stops her from saying, just following along with this right here in an unpublished, unpublished manuscript, I don't know the year that this manuscript was written, but this was obtained in 2008 by Professor Timothy Tyson. What stops her from saying, hey, I didn't know what was going to happen to him, my husband threatened me. He was going to beat me or do harm to me, whatever. I said it wasn't him. All the witnesses are dead. Now, here's the thing. Even if she's lying, guess what? The burden of proof is on the prosecution. The prosecution, which would be the Department of Justice, they have to then prove in court that she's lying. If she says this was happened, the burden of proof is not on her. It's on the prosecution. They have to prove she's lying. And not only that, when you go look at uh, the interview that J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant did in Look Magazine after they were acquitted of killing Emmett Till, in that interview, I think it was Roy Bryant, her husband, he said something to the effect of they just wanted to, they just wanted to scare Emmett Till, but Emmett Till said something to them and not, it wasn't Emmett Till's fault, okay? But he said, Emmett Till said something to him and he looked at him and said, Something to the effect of, boy, you're not going to see your mother again. Something like that. Okay. So in the interview with Look Magazine, L-O-O-K, Look Magazine, basically they said they just want to scare him. So she, she would go into court and say, hey, I didn't know what was going to happen. My husband, I didn't want to do it. My husband threatened me. He's dead. Brother-in-law's dead. Where's the evidence to prove her wrong? This is why. See, what makes this a tricky case is the witnesses are going, she can go in and tell that story. Now, it's up to the prosecution to prove her wrong based upon the evidence, prove she's lying. 
Now, Carolyn Bryan Dunham says in the manuscript compiled by her daughter-in-law, quote, I tried to protect him by telling Roy, her husband, that he's not the one. That's not him. Please take him home. She claims in the manuscript that Emmett Till, who had been dragged from a family home at gunpoint in the middle of the night, spoke up and identified himself. OK, she so, so this is what she claims. OK, now, if they admit this in the court. The prosecution has to prove that she's lying. The burden of proof is on the prosecution. It's not on her. Carolyn Bryan Dunham adds that she always felt like a victim, always felt like a victim as well as Emmett. She adds she always felt like a victim as well as Emmett and paid dearly with an altered life for what happened. She So she's making herself the victim. Okay. We'll, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. I want you to hear clip number two also out of, I think it's out of Jackson, Mississippi. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation the Future Radio. All right. You can support the African History Network dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. The Celsius keep doing the research, stay, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. Uh, you know, we're just doing the show once a week. Now, Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, a couple months ago, I stopped doing it daily because it was just uh, a lot of work and uh, was putting a financial strain on us as well. So we're just doing it on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, I want to go back to um, this Associated Press article. And, um, you know, this this story gets... After what sixty-seven years of story, new information still coming out. It gets crazier and crazier. Um, if we go back to this Associated Press article from Thursday, July fourteenth, Emmett Till accuser in memoir denies wanting teen killed. Unpublished memoir. We're going to clip number three from ABC Channel Seven Chicago in just a minute here, Jalen. Okay, so Carolyn Bryan Dunham adds that she always felt like a victim as well as Emmett and paid dearly, dearly after, paid dearly with an altered life for what happened. Now, the name of the unpublished memoir is uh, I Am More Than Just a Wolf Whistle. That's the name of the unpublished uh, memoir. I Am More Than Just a Wolf Whistle. And it's a good article from uh, Black Enterprise on this. We'll show you that here in just a minute. Okay, I've all she said. Okay, so now she wants to bring God into it. Um, she said, I, I've all, I have always prayed that God would bless Emmett's family. I am truly sorry for the pain his family was caused. Uh, she says at the end of the manuscript, which which is signed, Ken but indicates that it was written by her daughter-in-law, Marsha Bryant, written by her daughter-in-law, uh, Marsha Bryant. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, the memoir is more remarkable, not only because it is um, the most extensive account of this new episode ever recorded by Carolyn Bryant Dunham, but also because it contains predictions but also because it contains contradictions 
that raised questions about her truthfulness through the years, said Dale Killinger, a retired FBI agent investigated the case more than 15 years ago. So that would be the 2004 FBI investigation, okay, the 2004 uh, FBI investigation. Okay, now, for instance, Carolyn Bryant Dunham claims in the memoir to have yelled for help after being confronted by Emmett Till inside the family grocery store in Money, Mississippi. Yet no one ever reported hearing her screams, a retired FBI agent uh, Killinger said, okay, Dale Killinger. Yet no one ever reported hearing her screams. Also, Carolyn Bryan Dunham never previously mentioned that she and Roy Bryant, her husband, chatted about abduction. In the manuscript, she says they did. Okay, now here's the thing. Um, the manuscript is not testimony, meaning that the manuscript was not done under oath. So she can lie in the manuscript, okay? She can lie in the manuscript. The problem is if she lies under oath in an FBI investigation. She can say whatever she wants to say in the manuscript. Now, if they bring the manuscript in the court, then, and she testified, and she's, if they prosecute her and they bring the manuscript in the court, she's testifying under oath. So if she testifies under oath truthfully and contradicts the manuscript, okay, now you have to prove that she's lying. So the manuscript, so some people may call the manuscript a confession, but it's not under oath. So she can go in court and say something entirely different. And it's up to the prosecution to prove that she's lying under oath. If she goes in and contradicts the manuscript, the manuscript is not under oath. She can say whatever she wants to in the manuscript. All right. So um, also Carolyn Bryan Dunham never previously mentioned that she and Roy Bryant chatted about the abduction in the manuscript. She says, that they did chat about the abduction. Now, Dale Killinger, retired FBI agent who investigated uh, this case in 2004, he said, that seems ludicrous. How would you have a major event in your life and not talk about it? I mean, her husband was put on trial. You, you didn't talk about it at all? Now, the Justice Department closed its most recent investigation into the case in December of 2021, and Mississippi authorities have not given any indication that they plan to pursue the kidnapping warrant. Mississippi authorities have not given any, any indication that they plan to pursue the kidnapping warrants or other charges against Carolyn Bryant Dunham. Once again, it's Mississippi. Okay. When they had the Mississippi State Convention in 1890 and Solomon Saladin Calhoun said, we are here to exclude the Negro. And he was the white county judge who presided over the convention in this convention rewrote uh, the um, state constitution. This convention rewrote the state constitution of Mississippi and imposed poll taxes and uh, uh, literacy tests and became known as the Mississippi plan. 
and this was the uh, uh, model that was used by other southern states to rewrite their state constitutions and suppress the African-American vote. We read this all here from Washington Post. We've talked about it a number of times. Uh, the Mississippi plan. Let's pull this up here. Uh, the Mississippi plan uh, to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. We came here to exclude the Negro. This is from uh, Ronald G. Shea from May 1st, uh, 2021. The convention's president, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, a white county judge, put the voting issue bluntly. Quote, let's tell the truth if it bursts the bottom of the universe. He said, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. Delegates in the Mississippi State Convention eventually adopted a literacy test and poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. In a state with a black majority, the Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. Once again, this is Mississippi. Um, okay, I, I want to go to clip number two here. This is from um, ABC Channel 7 Chicago. Uh, this clip here, Emmett Till accuser. Carolyn Bryant Dunham denies wanting teen killed in 1955 lynching uh, memoir. Let's go to clip two, uh, Jaylee. The investigative report is out on the school massacre in Uvalde, Texas, that left 19 uh, children and two teachers screen. dead. The Jaylen, committee Jaylen. laying out what they call systemic. Yeah, refresh that screen, and it should go to. Um, it should go back to the first video. Uh, that's from ABC Channel 7 Chicago. If you refresh that screen, it should go back to uh, the first video. It should go back to the first video. Okay. Uh, just let me know when you have it uh, queued up. I'm going to pull up this article here from uh, ABC Channel 7 Chicago also. You may just have to refresh the screen a couple of times or something like to that. The woman okay, whose accusation led to the death of Emmett Till wrote that she actually tried to protect the team. In an unpublished memoir obtained by the Associated Press, Carolyn Bryant Donham said that she did not identify Till to the people who killed him. The black Chicago team was landed in Mississippi in 1955. Donham accused him of making improper advances. Historians are disputing Donham's claim that Till identified himself to his killers. Two big white men with guns came and dragged him out of his aunt and great uncle's house at two o'clock in the morning in the Mississippi Delta in 1955. I do not believe for one minute that he identified himself. Donna's then husband and half brother were acquitted of murder charges, but they later confessed in a magazine interview. Okay, so that person you heard talking, talking about, uh, I don't believe for one minute that he confessed. That was historian Timothy Tyson, who released this past week the unpublished manuscript that he's had since 2008. And he released it this past week. Mm hmm. Okay. 
Um, all right. We're coming up here on the break. Uh, when we come back from the break, we'll, we'll continue this uh, uh, story uh, some more. I'm going to go back to the. Um, I'm going to go back to the article from uh, the Associated Press, and then I'm going to get to this other story here. And this deals with the. Uh, we'll get to the squeezing that story dealing with the Border Patrol and the Haitians and the new uh, report that came out, 511 page report. Uh, and then also we're going to get to uh, the information, uh, uh, the segment from Roller Martin, the filtered. Okay. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hotep, everybody. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, writer, and historian. And I want to give a special shout out to everybody who has attended the 11th annual Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo. I just want to take a few minutes, and uh, we had a great presentation that I did uh, on Saturday. So I teach two online history classes, uh, one on Saturday and uh, one on Sunday. On Saturday, the class that I teach, normally 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is called Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And this is normally a 10-week online class. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We can't start studying our history and slavery. Even when we study the transatlantic slave trade, which is important to study, we can't start in 1619 or in the 1440s with the Portuguese, when the Portuguese get involved in the transatlantic slave trade. We have to understand the history chronologically and deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors, who enter into the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, from North Africa in 711 AD. When we discuss the transatlantic slave trade, we have to first understand that African people are the original people of North, Central, and South America and have been in the land we call the United States at least 51,700 years. Now, the second class I teach is on Sundays, normally 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called uh, From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Now, these classes are normally $130. They're on sale right now, $60. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded, so you can go back and watch it any time. So a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire class. With both of these classes, I would say the content is PG-13, so you can use this with your children as well if you want to. Um, also, you can advertise with the African History Network. We have three new advertising packages. Our current promotion is buy one month to get one month free. We have a million followers at our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. And with our platinum package, um, we'll take our ads on our Facebook fan page uh, for you as well to um, help maximize your advertising campaign. And we take your 30-second and 60-second commercial we put into the rebroadcast uh, of our shows and also into the audio podcast of our shows as well. Uh, we only have 20 advertising slots because we have a finite amount of advertising space. Uh, email us at ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, or call us 313-462-0003. All right, right now is correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. Wakanda forever, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.
The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, is larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today.